0: what up everybody it's your boy yeah, Mega. welcome to a brand new comic crusaders podcast and today you have an amazing independent comic book creator he is a comic writer he is a proud brooklynite all right I'm told that he's a person that just won't stay quiet. But even more so, it's his birthday today. So let me introduce the birthday boy himself, the amazing creator, the future star of comics, the one, Leone Daniel Kanban. Hey. hey, guys. What's Very up,
1: How you doing? And I'm good. Happy birthday, bro. <laughs> Thanks so much. It's been a busy day. It's like birthday, Kickstarter, this, it's going to.
0: So these are all wonderful gifts, man. You're putting yourself out there. Your project is out. It's kicking ass right now. It's almost at half with a whole bunch of days to go. So you're going to meet that. We're going to talk about goals. We're going to talk about that comic book, but most importantly, we're going to talk about you, kiddo. Mm-hmm. So, so let's get into that big homie. Uh, talk to me. I say you're a proud Brooklynite, but you are, are you a born Brooklynite?
1: Unfortunately, my first month and a half, I lived in Manhattan because I was born premature. So my parents lived in Brooklyn, but okay. I was born in Manhattan.
0: So. You were born in Manhattan. I'm sorry. Born in Manhattan, oh, but
1: raised <laughs> okay. in Brooklyn. So. Okay, okay, okay. And how
0: was it for you uh, growing up in Brooklyn? What era are we talking about you growing up in Brooklyn?
1: Uh, so basically the 90s to early to mid-2000s. Okay, okay. So, so. so I first grew up in, for the first eight and a half years, I lived in uh, on Eastern Parkway, right by the... By I a library, so that's where my love of reading started. It was really right there. Like a,
0: Excellent.
1: It was right at the children's library entrance. So I was, you know, go in, get a bunch of books. And I was an early reader, so. And then we moved here when I was eight and a half, which is very different from Easter Parkway. It's Victorian flat, but so it's, you
0: know, Ooh, houses
1: yeah. and yards. and
0: Very and- much different. And I mean, it- Even within Brooklyn, that's the funny part. People see one side of Brooklyn, but no, Brooklyn is a very beautiful borough. And that's very different and unique spots.
1: Yeah. And when we moved here, it was still like kind of being revived after, you know, dec- decades of neglect. And now, yeah, <laughs> like well, the 80s and 90s, we moved to my, my, like my, my sister and I were like one of like four or five kids on the block. And now there's a whole bunch of them. Oh, wow. And so oh, my, joke, my joke was like, where were all these kids when I was a kid?
0: Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, OK. So let's talk about that. So you growing up, right? Yeah. Uh, before we get into finding a tribe, let's talk about how did you get into the love of fandom? You told me you're an early reader and all. Who introduced you to to the fandom, to the love made of reading? Who did that in your life?
1: Well, my mom kind of got me into reading, but she wasn't a comic book fan, to okay. be quite honest. Um, But, like, one day we were walking – my dad had, like, a book of – like, a history of comics. And so we had, like, reprints of, like, early Superman origins, early Batman origins. Okay. So, like, the Golden age stuff. It was like, it was like a black-and-white reprint in a book. Mm-hmm. And of course, when I go to my grandparents out on Long Island, they would have the uh, comic strips in, the, in Newsday. And then one day we were walking home from school, and on Prospect Park West, someone had, I think someone had left a whole bunch of comics out. I don't know why. And I just picked one up, and it was, it actually happened in my living room right now because I was using it, talking about it a couple weeks ago. <laughs> it was a Betty and Veronica Digest.
0: And you only picked up the one book?
1: I was like a little kid, it's, like, it's all the one and
0: whoop. Oh man, I would have taken it, uh, was there, but I would have looked for more. Like, hold on, let me scavenge. <laughs> yeah.
1: And that kind of was like the first ding! Okay. Because so, I really liked the medium. And then I got my dad's comics from the 60s when I was like seven or eight. We went to my grandparents' house. I was kind like of complaining, oh, I never get comics in that. Because my mom wouldn't let me buy comics. And I didn't so have your grandparents
0: food. took care of you, huh? Hey. Well, my
1: dad did because he, they, my dad and my grandparents—they kept most of his old collection. Oh wow! For, Bless. So now, now if you have to remember, these are books from like the early '60s, Oof. and they were in the back of his childhood closet for decades. By the time I got them, and so they weren't in good condition. They're in terrible condition now because <laughs> okay. I've be my comics for most of my life. So, I'm but like, you still have them? I still have them. They're upstairs. Oh, <laughs> yeah,
0: that's awesome! But I love when people keep them. Real- I still got my very first comic book, and I recently just framed it.
1: Yeah, these are like falling up. Well, when I got them, they were falling apart, and now they're practically disintegrating. Yeah. But like, it's like it's but it's like it has some really cool like key issues. It has like, um, Silver Age Justice League origin.
0: Ooh, say word.
1: Uh, the first encounter of with Earth Three.
0: Oh no! Really? He had that, and you have it now. Nice.
1: Nah, yeah, knows. but like I read it so much, it's practically falling apart, which is why now I read it in the like the omnibus they have. They put out a couple of yeah. years ago.
0: <laughs> you pull that shit out kid? of plastic, it's gonna go. It's yeah, I have to, like I have to get them. like
1: some rage bags and boards to preserve what's left of them. It's you know they're, because. It's also pretty interesting that they're time capsules so you can see like how everything was back in the nineteen sixties. Like it talks about this amusement park where Co-op City is now in the Bronx. Oh wow, really? Yeah, and so it's kind of interesting that it's talking about it's like, hey dad, what was this amusement park? It's like, oh, it's for Co op City what is now.
0: Wow, that was an amusement parking car? Yeah. City? City and yeah, it,
1: it went out of business, in the city, did you I guess just, eminent to and He
0: just you know. taught me something, you holy shit. That's awesome. No fucking way.
1: Yeah. And um then, you know, I went to high school and college and I I got, you know, some graphic novels every now and then. Okay. And then, so then uh, during break, during like my break period of school, you know, I'll go into like a hallway and just, you know, read.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and oh. um,
1: and then college happened and then and I was there and I came home one December in 2010, I believe, and we were hit by a horrible blizzard. <laughs>
0: Okay, oh yeah. Well,
1: and I'm thinking, okay. I'm thinking to myself, you know what, I'm going to write a Superman, and I found like a couple old Superman books I had. Like, you know what, let me write my own Superman screenplay, okay. which I did, and I've read it back since, and it's like, this is, this, this is terrible. <laughs> it was my first, first foray into fan fiction, basically. And yeah. I wrote that, and then I wrote a Batman one. And from those, I, wrote, I started writing fan stories, and from there I wrote fan comic book scripts, okay. and then I started writing my own stuff. All right. and, you know, at the same time, in 2010, I was introduced to Comixology, you know, back when it worked.
0: <laughs> yeah, when it existed, because now, now, you know, rest in peace, yeah, let me take over my, rest in peace yeah. Comixology, <laughs> I mean, yeah. damn, you know, Amazon, oh, we're not going to change the name, and then here we are a couple years later, and uh, goodbye Comixology, a yeah. shame, and I will mean, again, you know what, but. Oh, a lot, a lot of creators are leaving that platform because I you know, there's a lot of disadvantage by yeah. being with them, you know? But before yeah. you proceed on that, you, you, you know, you being in high school and college, did you find the tribe of people that were
1: like-minded, that enjoyed what you enjoyed? I was kind of like the person who was always floating on the, on the outside of social groups. I've never really been ah, yeah. one, unfortunately. I mean, I had friends, but like, I never, I, it's like I wasn't in. I was like the, I was more like the friend you hang around with but it's like the person you invite. The guy
0: that everybody knew, that's it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I know him. I also that school where there was a lot of bullies, so I kind had to switch school for my senior year of high school. Wait a minute, you were bullied in high school? Yep. I was a freaking, I was talking, unfortunately you kids I was a small, skinny Jewish kid, so it's like Oh,
0: man, I'm sorry yo, you yeah. had to deal with that. I mean, but how did – so that, that's how you guys dealt with it? They basically moved you from schools just to avoid any type well, of – Well, they moved from issues. one
1: school to my senior year of high school. The, senior I, year? Damn, yeah. yo. Oh. I was in this school from basically oh. grade school up through high school, and it just got to a point where my grades went – I, I was, like, miserable, and they're like, you know, let's go take you to a, a school where you can get some therapy and, you know – so I went to this other school.
0: Wow. <laughs> and wow. then I
1: went to college in uh, Buffalo. Wow. Well,
0: fuck you, you bullies. Look what he's doing now. <laughs> Whoever you are, fuck you. Now he got some awesome <laughs> books coming out. He's kicking ass. He's about to take over comic books. Yeah. So, okay. So let's get back to the creative space. So you did your first screenplays, you know, messing around, right? Yeah. But what was the day that it went like that to you? Like that, that you said, damn, I, I got it. I really want to do something now.
1: Well, a friend of mine saw my fan work, and he we actually teamed up to write a. We ended up doing like one short run issue of a comic that unfortunately was called Endgame. This was before it was just as exact, the uh, Scott Snyder okay. run. And I actually jokingly totally told him that he's like, and he jokingly totally told me, "Damn, you don't have to sue you now, right?" Yeah, right.
0: Yeah. And
1: um, and then it wasn't <laughs> also, was also before Avengers Endgame, but uh, it, we had one issue, but because of certain things, we couldn't continue after. Issue one.
0: Absolutely.
1: And I w- we were invited by a non defunct publisher and we're working on the book for re release and they turned to me and they went, Daniel, do you have anything else? And I had written a bunch of you know practice, you know, not fan script at this point. I was trying to do indie work instead of, you know, one day kind of something. And it was something at that time called Modern Colossus or Modern Colossi. And they read the script and like you like we like it, you just have to figure, you know, work a little bit to to make it better, but we don't like the title. Okay. So we changed the title to American Dreams, and that was my first book. Okay. And then that publisher kind of broke a bunch of promises, to honest, uh, and, then, and then we moved to Short Fuse, and, and Short Fuse, of course, uh, dissolved last summer. Uh, that uh, was, was gearing up for the issues four and five Kickstarter.
0: Oh, my gosh. So here you are, trying an uh, independent creator, you're landing opportunity, but those opportunities are just falling short because
1: o- over promises would you say well in the case of the first one the guy made a bunch of promises he didn't in the case of the second one i don't know what happened i'm not pretty to sure all the details but I, we literally had a meeting like one day and i was like dissolved They're like
0: Wow! Your timing on my part. <coughs> Holy shit! Oh wait, but what does that mean for for your projects? I mean, you don't lose on your your IP. Well, do you I don't lose my IP
1: or anything. Okay. So I, at that point, I was working with uh, Gabe on Nightrath. To, and we we were creating our and, we, and I said at the point we created a logo called Atlas Studios. I'm like, you know what? that that be my brand now. Yeah. And that's how it all. Oh, okay. Is how, and that's how it worked. And so American Dreams 4 and 5 became the first Atlas Studios Kickstarter. Oh, nice. And then, and nice. that was success. And we're going to gear up for volume one's collected version, hopefully this oh. summer.
0: So talk about that crowdfunding journey. Now, what type of research did you do or did you go and blindly say, let me just put it here?
1: Well, my first, Be my first, <laughs> uh, well, my first couple of kickstarters were actually run by my then publishers, and then, okay, and then 2020, I was doing um, the issue three Kickstarter, and then the guy who ran the, who was well, basically the uh, guy who ran the publisher, for yeah. years, said Daniel, we might want you to run it yourself. We'll help you fulfill it. It's just that because kind of the whole situation. It's better if you do it because okay. they were an African American run company, and they were like, we feel awkward if we, if we under our own brand said it probably called American beef because the whole uh, BLM protests that were happening at the time. Yeah, They're like like we don't want to, they didn't want to cause some like mixed signals. I'm like, yeah, that's perfectly fine. So I ran that, that, and let me just pull up that how that went. Um, because it's been a while, I haven't looked at the data for that a long time. So I can actually pull it up and um. Uh, I did decent I did like, so I just made it, I think, over goal. Okay. No, a little bit over, like twice ago, I had a $2,000 goal, I made like $5,000.
0: All right, all right. Ooh. And that was for issues one through three. Okay.
1: And like we had a Kickstarter for one, two we skipped because we just released it straight into our store, then we did the Kickstarter for three. Okay. And then last year, I did more research and I, asked a lot of questions to a lot of friends to i was joining it by myself this time. Well, like fully more by, by myself because I didn't have the support network I had with one for three because I didn't have that uh, publisher Yeah. to fill it. So I, so I asked a lot of friends for help and I have one person I hired to basically be my fulfillment person. So that, that helped me a lot. So I don't have like a whole bunch of you know, bags and boards and Boxes and everything. So, and she, cause she knows, Laurie Foster, she knows how to fill things so well. Excellent. So I said, I'll have you do it. And I, and I talked to, uh, Kat Calamia for this Kickstarter and for this recent, this new one. And she gave advice and I hired Brent Fowler to do the, um, do the design, the graphic design work. I also wanted to make, also made sure that, um, all the books were ready to go to print. Gotcha. So that also helped, and I think because I had one for five last time, I did a lot better. I did I had before um, fees. it was like a six thousand dollar plus uh, success on a five thousand dollar goal. <laughs> nice, <laughs> good. good for two two extra books, and then I and then I went back basically to my team for for um, this new one. And then I was thinking of doing a early pre-launch because I, I wanted to do a pre-launch, but I didn't want to do it too early. And then one of my friends who actually is my editor on another project went, Daniel, you should start the pre-launch and start promoting now. I'm like, oh, what the hell? <laughs> and I started, so like for the last couple months, I've been pro- promoting as much as I can this pre-launch, which got before launch today, like 200 something pre-launch followers.
0: Wow, nice. Look at you.
1: That's over the course of two months. And, you know, that helps with a strong start. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, that it means a lot of people will you know, have an email, go off, go, hey, the thing you followed, it's live.
0: And What are the tools you utilize to make sure that past and even new um, possible contributors, you know, are aware of the projects?
1: I uh, use a lot of Facebook, a lot of Twitter, a lot of Instagram. I actually did an update like last week or the week before it, on the Kickstarter from last year saying this Kickstarter is coming. Okay. So they would – and I actually think I got like 12 or 15, 12 or so people follow that from that update, I believe.
0: Oh, wonderful. So, and, and let's look at this beautiful Kickstarter you got going here. Right now, Mm -hmm. let's talk about us. So, (laughs) I'm playing around with these windows, man. All Mm -hmm. right, so check it out. So right now, you have a a goal of 45. You are almost half at 2017. 88 backers, 29 days to go. Beautiful thing. Night Wraith. Yep. Talk to me. Who is Nightwraith? This motherfucker looks <laughs>
1: badass, bro. Basically, um, he's this um, slub who gets kidnapped and experimented on into this giant massive thing. Problem is, our club has, like, no self-confidence whatsoever. So, it's he's, like, fighting. So, he has this kind of overconfident, bestial nature as Nightwraith, but uh, oh. and, but, but like, you I don't believe he's still this person of, like, no like little self esteem, little confidence. So it's interesting how the position in both ways, both a civilian and when he's Nightgraf. So that comes from some of the pathos. So you're gonna be this it. big
0: and not feel any confidence? Are you nuts? I would be walking the earth like, go ahead, son, try science.
1: Well, <laughs> he's not always looking like that. Like, if, like we have hints, go have hints throughout this first arc of why he has like little confidence. But it doesn't help that when he start up, when he starts out, he's like a skinny, young, know, yeah, weak guy. So. And like if you're in that mentality for so long, it's going to affect you no matter what. So, it's like someone with like body dysmorphia, like a big bodybuilder who still looks in the mirror and he still sees himself as a skinny guy.
0: Uh, I see, so. I understand. I absolutely do it. I understand. Trust me. Yeah. Um. So who's your artist, man? You you're the writer, right? You know yeah. the artist. Dave so is the is artist?
1: My Gabe Santos is my co-creator. We actually like I hired him, basically saying, "You want to do like a comic?" He's like, "Yeah, sure." Well, why did it,
0: you mean, wait? Wait a minute! You're like, "Yo, hey, Gabe Santos, Papa. why did you mean Gabe?" I mean, what's the Twitter. origin story Twitter.
1: there? Twitter, his art his art on Twitter. And
0: it's like, "This you is see, guys, Twitter is not the mess that you people keep fucking trying to bash it as it is." I mean, if you avoid the garbage, you're gonna find
1: good stuff. Yep. Wow. And, it's, and he's this amazing. Artist. he's like. In his early twenties, he's fantastic. Where is he from? Of, uh, he's from uh, Florida, but originally from Puerto Rico. Hey,
0: like, we're Puerto, American,
1: Puerto Rico, Wepa. I, I don't. It's from, I think it's Puerto Rican. I don't know if it's from Puerto Rico, but he's are like Puerto Rican descent.
0: Um, Puerto Rican myself, don't you worry. Yeah. That's why we got, along, mm-hmm. brother. Come on, man. Mm-hmm. I grew up next to Williamsburg, next to my my uh, whole bunch of my, my Hasidic Jews and regular mm-hmm. Jewish folks, and I mean, it's like. I understand, yeah. We, we, we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: And um, so we started discussing what kind of project you want to do. He said, I want to do something Big I'm like, okay. And he showed me a couple concept arts of some of the other things. I'm like, you know, what, let's do really? this, take, take a little of that. And background that started getting bored right. con- from that conversation.
0: So, how, how easy was it for you to approach someone, though? Because, again, what did you do? Because I know a lot of creators are very shy. They're very in-house, you know, they may, they may feel uncomfortable asking yeah. for help, right? So weird really because in person, approach?
1: I'm very shy. I'm very much an introvert in real life. But, like, somehow on the internet, I'm, like, a little more extroverted. So I just, like, uh, I reached out to him.
0: Yeah, so on the internet, he's Danny K, the big boss. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Love it. Love it. And look at this. I mean, the book is gorgeous. So talk about the team. I mean, how did you meet the
1: rest of the team involved? Well, Gabe suggested our anchor, David, and he also suggested our colorist, Daniel M. And I knew our letterer from other past things, so I, so it was basically a bunch of people bringing in who they knew to create the okay. book. And Gabe knew our variant B cover artist, so we went with him and I know, our, and the guy who does the cover C variant, Neto Diaz, who's on G.I. Joe, and several other things. I know him because he did all my variant covers for the first arc of American dreams. So it just worked like it's basically taking who, who we know and bringing them in.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. I mean, but look at this artwork. Wonderful. Look at the coloring for me. It feels very nineties too.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That was the idea.
0: I'm digging it. I mean, that's my era of collecting. I mean, look at this. I mean, so is this him regular or who's this guy?
1: This is a random thug. (laughs)
0: Oh, he's just a random thug. Look yeah. at him, bro. And he likes to dress in red so he could be noticed, don't he?
1: Yes.
0: He got an ego issue. <laughs> <laughs> Wimpy, look how, look how quickly homie, like, yo, you see folks, even if you look good, it don't matter. They're going to yeah. whack, homie's going to whack you real quick. Yo, the, that is so great. Look at the panel usage here. So. Do you have that direction erection in the panel work, or, or is that all your artists? This or is time, that a very like, a hybrid,
1: like this, usually I write full script, but we just have like a, I call it like a hybrid Marvel style, where I do a page by page breakdown, but I don't do like panel by panel breakdown. Okay. So like game go crazy. Then I went back when I got the pages, I went back and like wrote the dialogue panel by panel.
0: How did you learn that type of breakdown style, though? When when you got into creating comics, how did you know to write the comic? You know, understand panels to direct an artist. How did you figure this out?
1: Well, like I used to write comics like I wrote, like you would write a film, like a quasi film script. And then I used <laughs> a program called Keltex, which taught me how to actually write it. So I went from Keltex from there to like Microsoft Word and now Google Docs, but okay. it showed me the breakdown of panel, page, panel, character, dialogue, so Okay. Kind of but I don't like, I'm weird because usually people have center their dialogue with a little. Voiceover or caption? I still write like it's like a film script, <laughs> or okay, play. or a play script because I feel a lot of theater. So that's one of my first forms in creative arts was acting at school. Um, hey, so, yo, wait a minute! You were acting in school. Well, what, did you,
0: play, what, like, what, what was your top acting uh, achievement, even in school?
1: Okay, I did, I did a lot of character acting parts. So there were two parts in the high school. Um, the first was in the Real Inspector Hound. I played the character called Magnus. Who comes on on a wheelchair and nearly stabs two people, and I'm a small guy. I'm in a wheelchair. Our stage manager oh. to really to like throw me on stage is was the captain of the wrestling team.
0: Oh damn!
1: So I nearly hit one of the actors, and this actor is was the stepson of the headmaster. Oh, okay. So, so, ah, the ah, so the, he was a kid, was a prick though, but that's another story. Um, that's another story. And maybe and then, what happened. And <laughs> it's, it, I don't spoil the twists of Real Spectre Hound, but it's a fun, crazy park, and I'm literally playing this crazed, you know, mil- British military guy in a wheelchair.
0: Well, too far. Or is he?
1: Oh. I don't remember the twists and turns because there's a A story and a B story that kind of collide during the middle of the show. It's a one act play. <laughs> and, there is, and then the sec like a year later, we did called Me* a tenor, which is another broad satire comedy. And I didn't have the biggest part, but I played the bellhop. And it's just this really funny, crazed character. At one point I get literally chased around the set. Because <laughs> I could I end up knowing something I shouldn't, and the the person who plays the manager of and the character of the manager of the opera company wants to stop me from knowing it. So oh, wow. I, and my friends is playing the manager, so she has to literally chase she and her others have to chase me around this giant hotel room set. And it's just that's so and I actually had to do also voice act overwork for it because I had to pretend that so I had to record like if I was doing a telephone message to one of the characters. And I had to actually <laughs> learn a bit of opera. Oh no way! For it.
0: Oh man! Don't tell me! Don't tell me! D K sound like Pavarotti now. Oh God, no!
1: <laughs> <laughs> and so, and it, like I'm not the greatest thing in the world. I'm more of a countertenor, so a more okay. higher. He goes, the
0: counter tenor.
1: Yeah, you know, that sounds like some
0: evil multiverse opera people that will blow your ears out. No, it just means I have a higher note range. Got it. You know, okay, okay. So it's
1: of like being like here. It's like here. All right, gotcha, gotcha, um,
0: gotcha.
1: <laughs> so I Bro. had to record, I, had, I, I had to be taught by, I forget by who, I think it was actually my Glee Club teacher, just for this one little phone call recording, like the opening, I think, to larval I forget which, Aria it's like I think it's from power of Seville. And I had to do like three or four takes with the uh guys in charge of the stagecraft at the school just to make sure we had the right take.
0: Oh wow, wow,
1: wow. And this is like two thousand I wanna say four, so it's like that's the best you know not like oh, the wow. you know, school like I went to probably I went to a prep school, so we had, you know, some it wasn't like LaGuardia, but so we were supposed to be like the best high prep school outside of LaGuardia that that had performing arts. I guess But it's it's still like early 2000s technology. It wasn't exactly, you know, stuff.
0: Isn't that the best? best. And New York's on Upgrade the Quickest, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, but I want to get back to this. I mean, look at this one-page panel. Holy fuck, bro. (laughs) I mean, your character design is absolutely... Oh, shit. Look at this. That's game's cover. Wait, that's the cover?
1: That's, co- that's cover A, yeah.
0: Cover A, I mean, look at this beast of a character. I mean, what is this energy that he's exuding?
1: It's kind of like this magical dark force. It also helps him, you know, kind of doing like the Venom like tendril climb kind of thing. Okay. Um, but it's kind of just to him, make him look bigger and more imposing. You know, oh. more so, like this dark energy. It, and what's that in his chest? It's just more glowing energy. Okay. Uh, that's Frisk Katzis, I believe, that did that cover. Mm. And Tommy Schultz, I believe, did the coloring on it.
0: Wait a minute. You have even a cover by Neto
1: Diaz. I mean, how, how are you landing these people? Well, Neto Diaz, as I said, did my variant covers oh. for American Dreams. So that's how I knew. I, someone introduced me to him, and that's and we've had a working relationship since for Variants. So I think he's about to get a little busy, so I might have to find someone else. Yo, <laughs> this is fire! Look at look at
0: this, and this is so Kirby-ish in a sense with the hand play. Yeah, you know, like he used to do. Like yo, I am so loving this cover. Holy shit! Yeah. So talk about these, so these are all the covers available,
1: right? Yep, we have an early bird special for them as well, as well as the... Oh, shit, what is this? It's an example of uh, Gabe's artwork using my American Dreams character, Liberty. Um, It's not going to be, probably probably going to be like that if you get a commission from him, because we do have a commission tier, it's probably going to be more of a torso. Let's just give you an idea of his, you know, pencil work.
0: Whoa, sick, homie. And look how how beautiful that looks on a tablet, folks, for only $5. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But for Mm -hmm. Seven Beans, we're getting a physical copy, right?
1: Yeah, Early Bird Special only goes through uh, St. Patrick's Day. Hey, Folks, drink your
0: beers and and pull out your credit card. It gets (laughs) getting spent crazy, all right? Come on. Come on. Come on. Oh, my gosh. The digital bundles,
1: you get the first issue of American Dreams. And the first issue of Night Ref, digitally. So, so, talk to me about Atlas Studios. What,
0: you know, when was that formed? Why did you feel that you needed to form it? And, and are you accepting creators?
1: Um. So, Gabe and I were talking about it when we were setting up Night Ref because I think at the t- time I just wanted like a like a my own studio kind of branding at the time. Okay. And he came up. With the, we came up with the name and. It actually came we had a, like debate back and forth because I was looking up, uh, we were looking at other names and are we like, oh no, that's taken by this company, this is taken by that company, and then somehow we hit on Atlas Studios and it's been and then mm-hmm. Short Fuse kind of Ooh. dissolved last year. So we officially became Atlas Studios. Like, so it's really my brand. Um as for other creators, I don't think I'm ready quite yet to bring in other creators, but I'm thinking of an anthology for American Dreams, so yes and no.
0: Gotcha, gotcha.
1: Yeah. And talk to me about this
0: because I always love to talk to creators when they offer retailer packages. Because obviously we got to get you guys in shops. It's not just about people buying on Kickstarter, but we got to put this in front of other people that are not aware of Kickstarter. So right.
1: talk about this retailer package, what are retailers getting and what's up? They're getting five copies of cover A. They're getting a copy of cover B and C as well. They are going to have a digital copy for them to peruse themselves. And we're because oh, the retailers.
0: Talk about that? So how many copies are they getting? Because this tier is only
1: thirty bucks. It's uh... for retailers specifically only, but it's seven copies of well, five wow. of A, two of B and C. Um... And, it, and we're giving a little free shit because we want to them to you know make a little know profit off the copies. Of,
0: of course, So, I mean, but but they get to make some pretty good bank. I mean, you get that many copies. I mean, even buying that many copies now, in the copy shop will run you thirty right. easily. I yeah. mean, but you obviously that you know there's some upcharge. And what's this early bird bundle?
1: Early bird bundle is you can get one copy of every cover. So every right, cover. And the, and the digital copy as well.
0: Oh man, look at and what's seventy five.
1: That's that's the cover bundle after the early bird special goes off on the seventeenth. So a little bit of on the seventeenth.
0: Oh my gosh! Limited to ten. Yeah, so you got a commission right here for a buck fifty. Yeah. And, is this an OG commission? It's not a print.
1: It's a commission. Yeah. It was, it was separately from the comic. From the comic, but yeah, that's the idea. It's gonna be like a torso commission. So it's not gonna be as detailed uh as that, but you get it a lot, but you'll love it.
0: Look at it. So you're the co-creator, the writer. We got Gate Esquivo Santos, the co-creator in pencils, David Rivera at Inks, Daniel Erm and colors, Francisco Zamora on Letters. Yeah, but I I love pronouncing my stuff with my Latin accent because this is what I do. Alright. Uh, let me start rolling my R's either, but I'll i drive the ladies crazy. But <laughs> well, this is awesome, yo. I mean, look at your amazing project, beautiful artwork. And to be honest, I, I just say it's, to me just seeing like the dieselness of the character, you know, meaning how brolic he is. Yeah. Oh, oh how muscular. Sorry for the keep using slang. Um like yo, he reminds me uh me really pittish.
1: Yeah, that was one of Game's influences for. You know, oh,
0: were It was yeah. nice. Yeah. Nice. And why not, man? The Great Dale Keon. I can see that shit right there. It, it's beautiful, man. And I love the name Atlas. I mean, it, it is resonant of an old school brand, but with a new school flavor, baby. Yeah,
1: I think more like a you know a map to explore to new stories. Cause, but yeah, it's because it's, it's really funny, Cause I had um, sent. Uh, at Baltimore, two copies of issue one of American Dreams, officially the Atlas studios versions, to CBCS, and I get like the notification that they're trying to process it. I'm like, oh, Atlas, Atlas Comics from the, I guess it was the fifties, like, uh, wrong Atlas.
0: <laughs> ah, gotcha. wow.
1: Because that Atlas became a little company called Marvel that no one's ever heard of. <laughs> who,
0: who's one of them? I right? am a God, you know, what I mean, look yeah. at myself, like, really? Yeah. I mean, with the exception of maybe G.I. Joe that had an, <laughs> an appearance. <laughs> yeah. All right. But um, it, are you accepting submissions for Atlas if people wanted to kind of join the brand or is this just right now, just you and your homies trying to build something?
1: Right, I mean, it's just me and, my, and the people I'm working with. I think okay. as things get more steady and I can okay. support more people, it's going to be...
0: But the potential is there for that opportunity.
1: Yes, down the line, yes.
0: Excellent, love that. So, what, what does the future hold for Atlas outside of this amazing current project right now, folks? Again, you know he's almost there. He's he's almost halfway there. So let's get her done. Twenty nine days to go. But what's the future of this bad of this? Well, we have Atlas?
1: Few, we have a few things coming up. We have American Dreams Volume One. So that's gonna be the collected edition. Ooh, a graphic novel! How many yeah. pages? That I want that. It's at least going to be it's one hundred and ten plus bonuses plus because so. it's you know five issues of content plus you know couple of, like, a couple of new things. Wonderful. Wonderful. Uh There's this nineteen fifty set sci fi book I'm do- doing called Greece versus Aliens. It's at Freeport. <laughs> my dad grew up, so it's like an homage to my grandparents, and my par- and my parents, and my.
0: Oh shit! It's like Greece versus aliens. More like it. Holy yeah. shit! I'm digging it.
1: It, like my, As I say, it's like American Graffiti meets Mars Attacks.
0: Preach! I'm already a fan. You're hooking me. Oh, my God. You're hooking me like a fish. I'm out of the water, bro. Talk to me. What the fuck's going on here?
1: Okay, so we have uh, Marcelo Muller is doing the art on that. Uh, Timothy Brown's in the colors. Um, we got another Nitho Diaz cover. Ooh. We got a Dodi Eka cover, so Dodi Eka, who's my artist on American Dreams, did a cover, and we have a Bill Walco cover. Oh shit! And we're debating it if it's going to be just you know single, your floppy, or if we're going to do because it, I looked this up. There's an op- printer can do this option, a possible hardback single
0: issue. Oh my God! Please, please, uh, as a fan, if you do a hardback single issue, that that would make I think collectors like a collector exclusive, yo. <laughs> yeah. Or even introduce it like yo, you get a softback and just limit the hardback, dude. Yeah, they I mean, need to limit
1: the hardback to like a set. I, I was thinking
0: fifty-eight because it's a placed in nineteen fifty-eight. Oh, dude, I love it, bro. I mean, for real, you should do that.
1: As okay. exercise too.
0: Anything that's a, I, I love my soft covers, but I got my hard covers in a box right now because I'm gonna yeah. move soon. Um, wait till y'all see my hard covers. Hell fucking yeah, bro. Go hard, bro. Hey, that's what she said, right? Hey. My was <laughs> <Yeah, laughs>
1: yeah, right. going to how they did for Dark Knight Returns three, Dark Knight three, where they had that whole set. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, 8, and then the you know collection box. Oh. So that's what, that's what gave me the idea, and I found out that Mixum, this printer I was looking at for the American Dreams uh, volume, because that one's going to be hardcover, it's all cover. You're
0: and, uh, mentioning American Dreams. I just want people to know, who is American Dreams?
1: American Dreams is the title, The Hero in Its Liberty, who's a Jewish immigrant from the Lower East Side, who, you know, is kind of... Caught up in a mass science experiment gone wrong when he's in the middle of a gang fight in Washington Square Park. Oh. And Thomas Edison basically is doing this experiment further uptown and zap! He was our powers
0: oh. in uh, 1900s in New York. Really? He hey. he it, hey. so, uh, <laughs> I get to play
1: with Edison, I get to play with Houdini, I get to play with Alistair Crowley as our biggest bad guy, who's like, kind of like the spider in the middle of the web.
0: I am digging the shit out of this right now. All right, that's and, awesome. Anything actually? Anything that to do with New York too, bro? I, I
1: need this shit on my shelf.
0: <laughs>
1: I have a couple other things in progress. I have a book called Sadiq, which is Hebrew for um, wise man, mm. and it's a Western. In I call it my, my kosher Western, and uh, about a. <laughs> you got that a, salt on that shit. All right, gotcha. it's, it's a guy. It's a Jewish guy from New York who basically goes to live with his sister and her family out west and the first arc is basically him finding his place okay in um 1880s texas
0: whoa have you been to texas
1: i have but i was like 14 i was houston i was there for a cousin's wedding
0: all right so you visited and you were like oh my god this had uber influence on I me mean, what happened there bro Was I the it was more like
1: watching old westerns that you know gave me the idea
0: now, brother, you and me both, I mean, I don't know if we're the same age, but let me tell you, man, I grew up on like Clint Eastwood, Spaghetti Westerns, you know, I, I, and I'm going to say blasphemy right now. I'm not a John Wayne fan, but me give either. me some Clint Eastwood.
1: Like, I, I my, 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 westerns growing up with the comedy westerns, so Capaloo and Blazing Saddles.
0: Oh, oh, blazing, yo bro, Mel Brooks, legendary, one of Mel my Brooks boys. Mel Brooks, is the
1: altar I worship. <laughs> yeah, I love
0: Mel Brooks, yo, God bless him, yo, I love, I, I'm so happy we still have him. I hope he has the energy to do
1: at least one more something, yo. He's doing up. one more something. He's doing a Hits of the World* Part Two as a TV series.
0: Oh my god, yo, Mel Brooks! Like, listen, bro. my yeah. favorite Mel Brooks movie ever is *High Anxiety*.
1: I love *High like, Anxiety* because there's that really scene really in work. Central
0: Park when he, when he goes to the birdhouse and the birds just keep shitting on him anyway.
1: <laughs> it's yeah. like that's life, motherfucker. <laughs> and it's just like it's the the whole newspaper scene. It's like, it's like the whole room of a psycho. And I just love the fact that, uh, do you ever hear the story of how he pitched it to Hitchcock himself? Please tell me. So he goes to Hitchcock's place because he doesn't want to offend Hitchcock. He's pitching. So he and Hitchcock go to dinner at the, go to get lunch at the Brown Derby restaurant. And he's pitching the thing to Hitchcock. He has a very simple meal, but Hitchcock orders plate after plate, after plate of food as as Mel's given the spiel. And then he, uh, goes to enjoy Like the, like the, you know, after dinner cigar. And he goes, you know what? I'm still hungry. Do it all again. And it's dish after dish after dish after dish of food as a second course. Yeah. And Bill's yeah. well, like, just having like a simple like chicken, like Milanese or something. And he's just staring at <laughs> <in> say <his
0: body. laughs> yeah. like, Bro, I mean, I'm spending my movie budget right now.
1: What are you doing to me?
0: I think it was Hitchcock's
1: treat because Hitchcock could afford the Brown a little bit more easily. And then he goes. I hope
0: Hitchcock was paying. <laughs> and then
1: he goes, to, you know, after he started shooting the movie, he shows the final cut to Hitchcock, who says, he actually gives a couple funny gag notes. He said, This would how I would do it. And then Mel thought, oh, I wonder if he liked it because I don't know if I offended him or something. Next day, he gets a giant crate of rare wine from Alfred Hitchcock. No. Because he knew
0: about the a wine drinker. Apparently, Hitchcock loved the film as a tribute. Love it. I mean, what Mel, no, Mel- me. Brooks so is the legend, so please, you know, keep giving him his flaws while we still have him. Mm-hmm. Because he's an amazing legend in film. I mean, people now, I mean, Blazing Saddles is not a movie that would come out nowadays. I know, <laughs> I mean, it's a, good, but, but it's so a, a classic, though. I, I mean, mean he, people say, oh, you can't do Blading Saddles. These days.
1: They're like, I think you could. Mm. But basically, but you have to make sure people are in, uh, like they so had got Richard Pryor in because Bell was literally writing the script and says, you know, we need a black guy in this because otherwise we're gonna get you know because <laughs> you know, we're gonna because you know we're writing all this stuff we, you know we're gonna get someone's perspective so they get, get Richard Pryor in to write the script. Yeah. And Richard Pryor, they also think all oh, this hit makes make him the star and Warner Brothers and every other studio is like we can't insure him.
0: Yeah, you know, like now I don't know mm-hmm. you because this guy's about to f you up if you. <laughs> well, the problem was his the
1: drug it was uh, Richard Pryor's drug abuse, so they're like, we oh yeah, man. There was a body. lot of
0: problems out there. You know, that's a shame though. That, that that was the type of deal he had. I mean, come on, man. Yeah, you know, it was working on great movies in that era. Yeah. Come on, man. He had a great. What, what
1: was his name? Gene. Gene Wilder, oh, because he had up yeah. was Gene Wilder oh. after playing sales coincidentally. And actually Gene Wilder came in because the original guy who played the Cisco Kid, um, what's his name? I'm playing a blank, but another famous Western actor who was hired to do the do part of the Cisco Kid. Yeah. And he is the first scene he's it's the first day of filming, Cleveland Niddle's ready to film, and the guy's hanging upside down because it's the scene where he wakes up in the drunk tank. And <laughs> the second he starts doing his lines, the guy starts having the DTs. Oh, okay. He was a recovering alcoholic. So Gene Wilder flies out to do the part, and he says to Mel, I'll do this on one condition. We do my movie next. That movie was Young Frankenstein.
0: Ah, shit. Legendary. Legendary film. Another Mel Brooks movie. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Mel Brooks, but please, give him him the flowers, man. We're going to lose... I mean he he's up there in age,
1: man. I don't want to lose him anytime soon, yeah, but he's like, he had so much loss in the last few years. I mean, his wife passed yeah, man like a decade ago. Carl Reiner, who was his best friend, just passed, so it's
0: Oh my god, that's what I'm saying, yo. I mean, this is a dude that's been in the industry, he's entertained us, even in the day and age where comedy is now so woof um, you know, reviewed, if you will. yeah, uh, well, it's, 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 it's like it's
1: like you know, I was afraid to go a little to the point of offense. I mean, there's a way you can deliver the lines that would still be shocking, but still funny and acceptable. Yes, but you have to punch up. You can't punch down.
0: Absolutely, absolutely agree. The with is that. a lot of
1: people want to punch down, and they are suddenly shocked when there's a reaction. Yeah, but there's
0: also you know uh, with the cancel culture. In my opinion, nowadays you can't go to the past and say, "Oh, let's cancel this movie." Please understand the error. And understand, we've actually changed a lot from that time to now.
1: Right. Well, I think most people do get it's a different era. Most like- people, but not a lot of people. Right. And then, and then there's, and then there's just people who are just being jerks, and there's a reaction to
0: them. Yeah. You know, and it sucks. I mean, understand that was the era at the time. Let's not cancel that because if you if you if you try to eliminate something from the past and hide it,
1: how can we ever prove that we grew? Right. I mean, like, I'm hesitant to watch Gone with the Wind because, let's be honest, it's a, as core a fundamentally racist film. It may be one of the best films of all time, but it's a fundamentally racist film. And, um...
0: I just can't watch it because I'm just not interested. It's just not my thing. Because yeah. anything that involves musicals, I can't do.
1: Well, it's not a musical, it's just three hours long.
0: Oh, uh, and also three hours long. Unless it's a Marvel movie, I can't do it. I need to, Yeah, I, yeah, I can't, yeah. I I,
1: I enjoy can't. musicals because I grew up walked, going to see shows and I watching musical movies. Listen, The only
0: musicals I, I could tolerate are Mel Brooks when he throws in some, some music because He's, he's just, come on, man, those lyrics are just fucking Yeah, <laughs> You don't have, like, you don't have like, a
1: good lyricist and a good composer. Um, but, like, one of my favorite movies of all time is Singing in the Rain. Mm. And it's pretty innocuous entertainment, you know, more or less. It's, 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 it's I'll admit it, it's, it's fluff. It's a 1950s song and dance musical about the silent age of Hollywood. But it's, it's just so good. <laughs>
0: Gotcha. I mean, I, that's another movie I haven't just sat down and watched because I just can't do it right yeah. now. I, I, I'm not, I'm not at that level. Right now, I need to see blood. I need to see gore. <laughs> I just watched Studio 666, Foo Fighters, David Grohl. Great job. Yeah. Hysterical, bloody, and gory. Right up my alley. Yeah. You know, that's what I need right now. Maybe one day when I'm 80, I could sit down and, and let me watch this musical and, and have a handkerchief next to me and cry. And yeah. I'd be mean, like, Daniel told me I would enjoy it. Yeah,
1: I recently watched John Carter of Mars, the Disney film that was utter Oh, uh, I'm sorry. I liked it; it was fun, but again, it's again a little bit of a problem of its time. But but Richard Newby also recently uh, Richard newly newly or newbie uh, he's at at a Hollywood Reporter. Yeah. yeah. Recently published an article that that because of the flop of John Carter. And It kind of made Disney finally think. You know what? If you want our own Star Wars, let's just buy Star Wars. Mm. And that's, uh, you know, like two gotcha. years later, they bought Lucasfilm. And look at that. Exactly. You know
0: what? The team, my team, is talking about Disney's original attempt at an, uh, at a uh, Star Wars style universe in the Black Hole from the seventies. Yeah. And I mean, they love this movie. Talking about it, and, like this is Disney's attempt to try to, you know, cast some light on themselves, but it just didn't happen.
1: Right, cause, did you I mean, like the black hole? I haven't seen it yet. It's what oh, I, I haven't seen it. Oh. I, I just, I'll fire it up on Disney Plus probably this weekend. Um, but it's like it's like it's one of those films that are always like lightning in a bottle. It's like <laughs> it's like it was like the right amount of ingredients at the right time. Yeah, and that's why it works. I mean, look at the first Star Trek movie. They went to kind of like we want to make our own movie to, yeah, catch on this. But it's very more cerebral. <laughs> and it's not so very pew-pew. And then, you know, since the next movie, it's very more pew-pew.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. And that's what people want. Because, again, people don't want cerebral when they go to a movie theater. Yeah. They want to either shoot them up or kill them fast. I want to be entertained. And, you know, at least it's the majority. This is why over the weekend I tweeted, like, Is there an actual awards show? People that movies that people actually watch awards show because the things that are nominated sometimes is like no one watched this shit except critics. And at the end of the day, are you really telling me this is what matters? No. Let's talk uh, about what people like.
1: Yeah, I actually wanted to be a film director when I was a kid, So I did watch the Oscars, and because I'm a Broadway buff, I do watch the Tonys. I have watched. <laughs> I, didn't watch, I didn't watch last year because it, it was basically awards, and then just then they did the musical performances. So I just watched the musical performances.
0: Okay. But I didn't actually
1: watch the awards part of the Tonys last year.
0: Gotcha. So, talk to me. What else we got coming? Anything else from Alice and from Daniel from the team? Oh,
1: let me see. Let me think. Who? Um, uh, I got.
0: What, where, I- what, where, where do I have to open up my wallet besides this campaign?
1: I do have an online store where you can get the digital copies of American Dreams right now. So and we I- could get some previous stuff?
0: Yes. Oh my gosh, really? So uh, we visit you on social or at least to you somewhere, we. Yeah,
1: let me go to my web store. And I, right now I have the digital copies available because I still have to go for my Ooh. physical inventory. Because I have to check things before I go to this con in the summer to make sure I have enough.
0: Oh, yep, I, so. oh what a great,
1: what a great segue to that.
0: As a comic creator, where can we see you next, live and in person?
1: So I have at least I have two cons definitely guaranteed at the moment. I have terrific con up in Connecticut. In
0: oh, in, I love terrific life. con. Yeah, shout out to Mitch Hallett, yo. That's gonna be my first time going, so this is gonna be fun. Great show, bro, Mitch. Knows how to put on a show. You're at a, at, a, at a hotel that has a casino too. So people are spending money. They're having a good time. Let me tell you that is one that, for if you watch No Price Podcast, that is Buddy Young's favorite convention in the Northeast. Here he goes, I, there's no other convention I'd rather go to than a Terrific Con.
1: I have a friend who's flying in from the UK around the time. So we're just taking so him with me as my, as my assistant. Right. I think it's his first Comic Con in the state, not. Oh, Period. wow. Wow. So I'm going to make sure
0: that Bud visits you, takes some pictures, because I'm no longer in the Northeast. I'm not, otherwise, I would have been over there giving you a big hug person. Like, Yo, check out. This is my homie. <laughs>
1: and then I have Baltimore lined up um, in October. Oh,
0: nice. You got to go to Baltimore. Where it's one of my favorite five? shows.
1: It's one of my favorite shows. It was actually the first Comic-Con I ever went to to sell. because I well,
0: you, Why don't you do Florida, man? Come down to Megacon, get a tan, and do Megacon. Bro. I
1: Well, it's too late like, for me to now to do Megacon. I think they're all booked. <laughs> I'm planning maybe for next year because a whole bunch of friends of mine were supposed to, were supposed to um, come out to help me out with this Terrificon thing, and then a whole bunch of them, it was my friend from the UK, had to cancel for various reasons. So we're all trying to schedule maybe Orlando 2023 for
0: Megacon. Excellent. So get, it, get it done, bro. Because I'd love to see you out here, show you some love, you know what I mean? 'Cause I'm, I'm always going to be – I'm going to be there. I'm in Orlando. So that That's going to be my show. I think
1: he's in Orlando, too, at some point. I don't know if
0: he's at the show. Yeah, hey, homie, mm-hmm. just show up. Just show up at the show, and I got you, kiddo. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: And this so Baltimore great. is my – Well, my favorite show
0: Yo, Stuart Webber! Salute, big Stu. Yeah, big Stuart Wilson – you gotta check them out uh I think another show for you that that, that you should check out is Six Element hip hop it's hip hop and comics, and they probably would love you too
1: okay, but yeah, Baltimore is one of my favorite shows. It's the first show I ever showed at with cat because we we're rolling short of the time she's like yeah, you know, let's tra- let's drag you down to Baltimore and well thank you thank you thanks, and it's
0: it's
1: like. So that's been my kind of like my my kind of end of year show I like doing.
0: Okay, excellent, excellent, excellent.
1: And I've actually this year from there I have to go to a wedding, so it's like a week away from work. Will we see you at New York Comic Con? I'm people? hoping. I am hoping. <laughs> I got a pro pass last year, but I didn't get a table, so hopefully, okay. I, just, but Let's I just get you that table, table, man. Let's wish it to the world. What do you want this year? I want to be at New York Comic Con at
0: Sally. There and you go, up. folks. Speak it out to the world. Let's manifest that motherfucker.
1: <laughs> and, like, like uh, I like to do it because I did C2E2 last December, like, in December. So I you fly- did C2E2? Yeah, in December. Hey, so
0: cool. Yeah, that's a big thing, too, kiddo. Yo, you're yourself on the back. Look it's actually my
1: best show yet, so it's like.
0: Love it, love it, love it.
1: So I, I love to do New York. It's my hometown show, and I,
0: I don't have to travel that far. I <laughs> hear you, man. It's a sort of drive or or, or flight. What, did you drive?
1: I I don't drive, so so cons, <laughs> so, it does, so it's harder for me to get.
0: Bro, to let me tell you home. what motherfucker from Brooklyn drives, or what New really? Yorker drives when you get Like my friends,
1: friends, like, is like, my friends, uh, <laughs> it's, it's like he's my also my DM on, in the Dungeons and Dragons game, and he's like, and constantly ragging on me about, oh, I'm constantly taking the subway and no don't drive, and a, a friend of mine, are, road players, player, like, dude, he lives in New York, why does he have to drive?
0: Yeah, my brother. This is exactly what I told people. Growing up in New York, I didn't need shit. I did not get my license until I was fucking 40 years old, alright? That's when I got my license because my wife said, yo, we're not in a place that has trains anymore, so it's time. I said, alright, I got yes. it. I mean, I knew how to drive. Trust you, me, that I won't mention it, <laughs> but some jobs were just giving me the cars and saying, "Like, yo, can you drop off, homie? I'm like, you are aware that even though I know how to drive, I don't have a license. Yes, I'm aware. Just drive safely.
1: <laughs> so I love to do, like like one of my ideas is, like was like hope if I eventually oh thanks, Stuart.
0: They want to on the show, kid. <laughs> there you
1: go. It's like one well, of my ideas was also to, like take the train down to Orlando and then like drive to like like Uber to one of the hotels by the convention center if I do.
0: Gotcha. You know,
1: my, my, uh, next year, and then I saw the price on Amtrak.
0: Woof. Oh, that's, that's a, a one-way day. ticket. My brother, oh. <laughs> your family will never see you again.
1: No, it's, it's, <laughs> it's just that it's like five hundred dollars for a roomette oh, down wow. to, I, on a train to, from New York to Orlando, and that's a and that's the one way. Wait
0: trip. a minute, but but is that because you refuse to take a plane? Are you afraid? No, I, I'll
1: fly. I just want to take. A, I just want to have the adventure.
0: <laughs> oh God! Gotcha. Don't do the. You listen, my my baby brother. could once told me that he took the train with well, my dad because my father cannot do planes, mm-hmm. and uh, he goes, bro, the human body smells on that shit. You do not want to deal with. Please take a plane.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't have a roomette, or so a little, you know, private room on the train versus you know just a coach or a business class seat. But it's it's just so expensive that right now it's just more feasible for you to fly.
0: Yeah, man, just fly, kiddo. You got to come down here. You got to spread the greatness of Atlas, you know, uh, of the character, of everything you're doing. Because that oh, is- that reminds
1: me. I'm going to be in an anthology that starts off on Thursday on Kickstarter called Cthulhu oh. in Wonderland. Oh, really? This Thursday is dropping? Talk about it. So I'm doing one story in that thing. To scale How many story. pages?
0: How many pages you got? I don't
1: know off the top of my head, but I think 200 pages. And I'm just one story in a bunch of stories. I'm doing the Dodo story. Okay, for- a Dodo, hey. We're doing a bunch of Wonderland characters fighting off Cthulhu. It's going to be really fun. And um, Travis Gibb, who is in Florida, is in charge. Oh, of- I know Travis Gibb. Yes, nice. He's running the whole thing. And I think the idea is to have of us eventually come down to do something for it. But Excellent. i have to see if I like- like, can swing it. I have to do the uh- – I just basically see if I can, you know, swing the ticket, swing the day off because I'm already off for like two weeks in July, August, and then again in October, November. So it's like, I am my day's very fast.
0: Yeah, you're killing it, kiddo. You're killing it. You're out there, you're doing your thing. Um, So, flower time is so let me say thank you mm-hmm. as, as a fan to so a creator. Thank you for putting yourself out there. Thank you. thank you for sharing your talent, you know, your stories and your energy. It takes a special person to do that. So let me just thank you. And if anybody talks shit, just give them the MFS. And if you don't know what that is, that is the middle finger salute. Fuck you, because if you ain't doing shit, don't talk shit. And that's facts. You know what I mean? Yeah. So just thank you for doing that. And you know, But for real. So uh, with that, you know, I've been showing this off, but I need you to follow Dan on Facebook at Daniel.Calban. K-A-L-B-A-N. Mm-hmm. Follow him also on Facebook at American Dreams Comic, also Atlas Studios Comics. Go to Twitter, follow Daniel Caliban and also on Instagram at D because he got it going on. But most importantly, he got this amazing project out right now, guys. American mm-hmm. Dreams Comic. He got it all right now. You know, 90s influence anti-hero adventure show the Love, yo! Right now, he's he's almost halfway there, but let's not even get halfway there. Let's get three times over the tier, and you know, and see all the extras he's gonna offer. Dan, you've been nothing but an amazing guest. I appreciate the help, yo, Manuel. Right there, is, is telling you right there. Dan, you keep doing what you're doing. Right. You know what I mean? Right there is it too. You are a talented individual. He's gonna follow you on Twitter. Thank and you. agree that everything you do is amazing, bro. Dan is the man. Look at that. Yo, you're about to be a rapper. Dan is the man. Rap, You know, you know, the next Drake right here. Let, let's talk about it, y'all. Greatest the, the comic show. Yo, thank you, Manuel, for tuning in to Big Stew. We're talking to independent creators that are just killing it right now. They're going to bring something different to the game. They're showing what the game is about. They ain't afraid, and they're putting themselves out there. So, Daniel, again, thank you for tuning You're hanging out. We're Almega and the Comic Crusaders Podcast. Thank you, Familia, for tuning in. You know what the to tell you to do. But most importantly, I want you to follow the rest of my extended family because we celebrate in the hardcore. So check out my boy, Dodgy, and the rest of the family, I think, in the podcast, the Sunday Cast. I want you to check out Cinema Crusaders, who film sloppy spoilers, undercover capes, outside the panels, my boy, Johnny Hughes. Yeah, everybody, yo, much love. You know what we do. Hasta la próxima, mi gente. Daniel, you rock. Hasta la próxima. Thank you for listening to the Comic Crusaders podcast. If you like the content, please subscribe and turn on notifications. Also, please visit ComicCrusaders.com and our extended podcast family over at UndercoverCaves.com. And also, make sure to download the Comic Crusaders app on the Google Play Store today.